head on over to patreon.com forward slash severe podcast right now to support the podcast and sign up for our premium content and now here's the podcast graham mcdonald is an idiot sean sheehan of severemma.com he even has the audacity to call himself the quote-unquote pod god this is Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. The Severe MMA podcast is finally here. Welcome, welcome everybody. It's episode 246 of the Severe MMA podcast. My name is Sean Sheehan, a.k.a. Shawnee Podcasts, a.k.a. Podgod aka whatever you want to call me this week joined today by the brandon flowers of irish mma media graham mcdonald as we talk about a relatively big week in the world of mma uh, and a, maybe a few slow weeks coming up as well but sure we can get into uh, all of that graham how are you my apologies for making you wait for like an hour here as my computer decided to shit the bed um you, you try to butter, butter me up afterwards with the saying i'm your hero brandon flowers yeah i well i'm only really saying that because they're coming back and they're doing a concert they're doing a concert in fucking malahide castle have you been there it's that sounds like an odd venue doesn't it no i think there's, there's I, I don't think i've ever been but there's a lot of concerts there over the years um but uh i don't, I don't think i have been no but it's like it's like a, an out door in a field venue isn't it for a band whose fans are probably all over the age of 30 like which i think is very odd like i'm not going to stand in a fucking muddy field for eight hours like to watch a band like come on i don't know i feel like they should do it in a seated venue you're just a lazy prick though like most people think ah great day out bit of crack reel back the years standing in a muddy field no i've never been up for that now i would never be a fan of that but you know do you know that pulp song uh sorted for ease and whiz no where he's like He's like, is this is this what the future is, or just twenty thousand people standing in a field? <laughs> yeah, I think it is just twenty thousand people standing in a field, probably. But sure, look, these things happen. I'm gonna see Green Day next year, so I'm throwing back the years there in the RDS. Where do I park in the RDS, Graham? I, this is probably a, a, a question I can ask off the air, but sure, look. There's, there's a couple of rugby clubs around the place, and then there's a there's big RDS parking, but. Yeah, you, you'll get you'll get somewhere. It shouldn't big be grand. a problem. There's just big events there all the time, like rugby, rugby matches and shit. Big grand, sure. Look, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. There. That might be a place to hold, no, hold an MMA event. Maybe not. They get all wet. But sure, anyway. Right. Let's get uh, let's get into this UFC card that that happened last night. And I suppose rather than going through the card up and down before well, we will do that a bit, but this was an almighty like notably shit card, wasn't it? Just boring. No, there was a few yeah, good fights. Stinker, like, but... started feeling really sleepy during the, during the main event. <laughs> I was like, uh, "Have to stay up for our time," but uh, started making me making me feel real tired. Yeah. It's hard to concentrate on that fight when it's like five in the morning or whatever it was, and nothing's happening for f- twenty five minutes. <laughs> I, I think as well. Do you know when it starts like a fight like that, uh, Wellington Turman Marcus Perez fight, where it, like starts really well in the first round. I'm like said, oh, I want to see Perez versus Mikel Pereira because he's so fun. And then that in the second round, he gets a bit tired and Turman starts winning and Turman wins the tournament. It just kind of gets a bit boring. And in that Arroyo Munoz fight where the jiu-jitsu guy was trying to submit him, he couldn't submit him, and the other guy was kind of too afraid to try any of his shots, which happened again later on. That was just so boring as well. I was like, there's two fights there. One lad on it has um, 
has a Wikipedia page and none of the other three of the four have a Wikipedia page and they put on two boring fights it's like that's hard to retrieve after that even though the, the, the rest of the fights are good and everyone wanted to kind of watch them there was just it I feel like those two fights fucked everything up like before that it wasn't too bad the, even the you know the the James Krause KO and the Sergio Moraes fight it was a weird fight but at least he got the finish Ricardo Hamas finished that pretty quickly uh, Francisco Trinaldo Bobby Green which we might get into in a second it was good and uh, you know there was some good fights in the undercard but <laughs> these it was weird because I feel like as well there's a thing here I, I think Mookie Alexander tweeted out this was the 11th week in a row where there's been UFC and you know we talk about we've talked about in the past not in a while maybe about uh, you know oversaturation and a yeah. bit of fatigue. But you see people I saw a few people kind of MMA guys who usually would watch every card saying oh thank God or whatever it's good to have a break now coming up mm-hmm. after this and yeah. you, you like you never would have saw that in the past people be you know uh, years ago people be building up cards three weeks and so excited about the cards and maybe this little break will give people a little kind of breather and make them a bit more refreshed when they come back uh, in a couple of weeks time to the UFC but obviously there's there's other MMA cards and these people will probably end up, end up you know they're addicts <laughs> they'll end up watching them yeah it's, it's like me I'll take a break from the UFC I'll end up watching fucking bare knuckle boxing at 5 o'clock <laughs> and that's kind of just what happens isn't it but yeah i think there's only two mma or ufc cards sorry between now and the 18th of january which is obviously rumored as the conor mcgregor comeback so that's that's two months like so there's only two cards in two months which is the one rosenstruck versus overeem coming up here in three weeks and then a couple of weeks after that again or one week after that i think is ufc 245 usman versus covington so what are we going to do in the podcast? I don't know. What are we going to talk about? In, in two weeks' time anyway, we'll have the, the State of the UFC address up for everyone because I'm away that Sunday. So we'll have it there. But we'll have the, the normal podcast next week anyway. So send us in questions. But <clears throat> on the 11 weeks thing, like, I feel we're kind of used to it now. We're used to UFC every week. But it I think it takes a toll when a card like this ends it. Like, I, I think if Usman versus Covington was this weekend, we'd still get up for it, you know, we'd still kind of be excited for it, we'd still, you know, we, we'd still recognise the, how big that fight was, and, you know, Max Holloway versus Volkanovski is on it as well, is that Nunes versus JDR, or maybe it's not, I, I think it is, so we, we'd get up for those cards, like, uh, but this one, someone asked me, he's like, why, this is a good card, why is it flying under radar, I'm like, on this card, there was some good fights, turned out to be, and this was before it, there was, turned out to be some good fights, there was some good fights on paper, but there was absolutely nothing that meant anything on a big sense, like it meant something to Jacker, it meant something to Blackovich, it meant something to Charles Oliveira, but no matter who won, no matter what they did on any fight on this card, nothing really mattered, you know, there was no title shots being decided, there was no maybe next contender being decided, there was nothing. You know, Charles Oliveira called out McGregor, which we'll get to, and he said afterwards, Habib, he's his kryptonite and everything. But that's, everyone knows that's bullshit, like, and those two are never going to happen, very likely. You know, Shogun wasn't going to get a title shot. Blahovic or, or Jacare weren't going to get a title shot after a win here. So the card up and down, not to be negative here, but it really meant nothing. And it didn't, watching it, like, I don't know what people maybe say that, you know, or, or think that outwardly but i feel like underneath it there's kind of people realize it it's one of those isn't it? it's like watching a fucking a match between i don't know aston villa and you know uh, i can't think of another team give me another team who don't matter man united exactly it just means that no one's getting it it's like a middle of the middle of the table matchup was that kind of your feeling on it too 
Yeah, well, I didn't really think about it like that, but yeah, I, I know what you're saying. Um, I do think, though, um, you know, it, it, it is strange that the UFC are kind of, you know, it's so fascinating or breakneck pace of cards, 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 and then this big break. It's a bit strange. Like, uh, we haven't really seen this recently in the last, since they've gone to what, 40 odd yeah. cards. I don't think, I don't think we've seen this. We've seen a couple of week breaks, but never, as you said, like 18th of January is a, and if if that if that's correct, then that's that's very strange. I don't know what the thinking is there. Yeah, I I don't know what it is here. Maybe it's the thing for Christmas that they want less less cards around the Christmas time. Maybe because people aren't watching them or aren't buying them or are out like during the Christmas. Maybe that people kind of at home around Christmas, though, aren't they? I don't know. I don't know. But uh, it's funny. I, you know, I listen to to Dave Meltzer's uh, podcast, and he always talks about the ratings for shows and for wrestling shows. And the lowest rated wrestling shows of all time are the ones on Christmas or on Christmas Eve and New Year's Day and stuff. So people don't watch them. You know, they're watching Christmas films or they're home with their family drinking or whatever. And you know, maybe for MMA fans to be watching them, but yeah, MMA, yeah. MMA though, it's kind of New Year's card was always a huge card, and it was always kind of uh, for Irish MMA as well. It was always Cage Warriors had a big card, and it was around Christmas and New Year's was always kind of a big time for MMA historically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like J- Japan with Pride, they'd have a huge Christmas New Year's card. Like, yeah, that's true. I'm, I, yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's an American thing. Maybe the Americans don't like it as much. And I know, you know, they, we had that big, big Brock Lesnar Overeem card. I seem to remember on New Year's Eve, and maybe New Year's is a little bit different. So maybe they'd. One in one in January, but always boxing as well. Boxing was a there was a big thing that they don't put on cards around Christmas time. The month of January is basically you know boxing's month off. So I don't know as MMA kind of going that the, way, the TV landscape has changed completely though. Now that like live sport is like so dominant, you look at like the figures for like BT Sport are playing for Champions League and the Premier League, and it just shows like you know people can watch Netflix or Sky Go or whatever and watch without ads and watch whenever they want. Mm-hmm. most things but live sport is different like um, like watching any kind of sport after it's happened there's just nowhere near as entertaining as at the time so I'm surprised that I, I, I would have thought that like TV companies and etc would be looking for live sport to, to, to put on around like every every month every week because it's the by far the highest drawing thing on TV yeah that's true as well I, that's probably the most surprising part now that you make that point that they're not going to force them to that and that's why as well you know that's why we have so many ufc cards and so many mma cards because as you said the, the drive to it like there's most shows you watch think of any show you watch do you watch it live probably not like there's almost no never shows. watch tv series live on yeah. tv ever i don't even have a tv anymore yeah, I I very the only thing I watch live is Game of Thrones, and I just, I watched that like fifteen minutes past it, and that's you know six episodes in the last probably three or four years. I watch, you know, unless I just flicking through the channels and there's something I'm like I watch like I watch Silicon Valley, I watch that on record, and even if I'm watching the same like I'm watching the the wrestling or something, I wait like twenty minutes in and then just forward through the ads like so, and, and that's I suppose that's a live thing as well, but almost nothing, and I suppose that's why we have it, you know their supply and demand that the TV shows need it because that's where they get their ad revenue because people if they watch it live they're going to watch the ads live as well because they can't forward through the ads so that's the only time advertisers can get people to watch their ads because if I'm watching Silicon Valley on Sky and I have it recorded I'm, you, everyone knows I'm forward through the ads just everyone knows it so it's yeah I think it's it's an interesting uh, an interesting kind of debate and you know, not to get straight into all the fights and everything, but there, I suppose that's kind of the reasoning why there are so many cards because the UFC will get more money out of selling them those ads, and those ads are probably the best ads that 
the you know channels can get and especially channels like BT Sports if they can get them in the middle of the night even yeah, the demographics that are watching kind of UFC and live sports uh, yeah, UFC especially are probably younger and people who are willing to kind of spend money don't have like necessarily have as many mortgages or whatever to p- things to pay mm-hmm. can kind of be more loose with their money and that's why you see like betting ads and uh, alcohol ads and some delivery ads and stuff so yeah I don't know what the thinking behind this is yeah I don't know either but good <laughs> no, I won't complain I won't go- you can give us your money instead to sign up on Patreon patreon.com forward slash severe on my podcast uh, for, the, for the Christmas time since it's a Christmas present but I suppose we better get into this card anyway what did you think of this main event Oh, it was terrible. Like um, <laughs> it was terrible. It was a uh, mostly consisted of uh, Jacare pushing him up against the cage and not really coming anywhere close to taking him down or really committing to any kind of. You know, he went for a couple of try to get a body lock, try to get a double leg. Didn't really work. It just kind of chilled out there and took a few shots and failed to get a takedown. So I, I don't really see how it was a split decision. I don't really see how the judge saw it for for Jacare. He didn't really do anything. Yeah. He just failed to take him down repeatedly. He he did. Was, eight punches. What did Blahovic really do though? He didn't land that many punches really. He, he, he landed more than Jacare, like a lot yeah. more. And he uh, he defended all his uh, takedown attempts. And I know he was pushed up against the cage, but he was landing the more shots, even though there wasn't any in in the, in that situation. He was landing the better shots, and it's just a terrible fight. But I I, I thought that Blahovic clearly won. Honestly, I don't have a strong opinion on it because I kind of tuned out of this fight. Yeah, I kind of did as well, but like, yeah. yeah. I was just looking at my phone. I'm like, I don't want to watch this fight. I just want it to be over. I want to watch the bare knuckle boxing and I want to go to bed. <laughs> I just don't want to watch this fight anymore. It, just, it was terrible. And it was one of those fights where Jack Ray went for a takedown early, as you mentioned. And it felt like from that point on, Blahovic was kind of just really, really wary. Because everyone was saying it, you know, I saw a few people tweet out how he was beaten before. Was he was out grappled, he was taken down. And I'm sure his thinking was, just don't be taken down here and I'll win the fight. And that got completely into his thinking. He was, like, all he was doing was backing himself onto the fence... When Jack Ray came in, he was throwing these wild counters that weren't landing, and Jack Ray was pushing him against the fence for like three minutes in a row. And uh, they broke out. He landed a few leg kicks and stuff. I think he broke, or maybe not, or maybe not broke, but hurt his foot from a, a leg kick. He landed himself in the fourth round or something like that. But you know, very little happened in, in the first round. As I, I'll go through. I think, I think it was a little earlier in the fourth round, but yeah, it, it didn't seem to have too much effect on on the fight because there wasn't too much, uh, you know. Uh, quick movements going on yeah there wasn't much like I, I i took i took notes here i'll read out exactly what my notes are so round one <laughs> fuck all jackery early takedown attempt fence for most of the fight round two lots of fence the right hand from jackery so jackery landed one right hand in the second round third round apprehensive from yan after the early takedowns backs onto the fence tries to counter into the clinch round four leg kicks from yan wonder round hurt foot Round five, Jacare stumbled on entry. Those are those my notes. I tried to take pretty good notes from fights to see how they go, but nothing happened in this fight. Like, absolutely not. It was one of the most boring fights I've seen in a long time. And I think it's more boring because, you know, when we saw Francis Ngannou versus Derek Lewis, and I think this is up there with that, at least in that fight, it was like, Oh, Francis isn't wanting to pull the trigger because he just lost and Derek is really really wary of Francis because he hit so hard and you could kind of understand the you know the, the gravity of what one single mistake would lead to it was still fucking shit because no one did anything but I feel like in this one they both tried to do stuff but both just fought really badly didn't get their game plans to work at all 
and just kind of failed in everything. <laughs> just and you know people sometimes don't like it when we're harsh on fighters, give out about fighters because it's a tough job. You know we've we've talked about that. They're going in there, they're putting their lives on the line, their livelihoods on the line, money and everything with you know win bonuses and all. But it's a sport at the end of the day, you know, if we go in and we talk about boxers or Man United or fucking Munster Rugby or something, we're going to criticise them as well. So I'm going to criticise them here because it wasn't a good fight at all. What yeah, like, you know, like, you know, we criticise, like, if you think it's, you shouldn't be, oh, well, people, I don't want to be too critical on people. Yeah. you got to say what you think, like, you know, uh, it's the same, like, you know, people are not afraid to say what they think when it comes to football mm-hmm. or when it comes to other sports. So I know it's kind of more personal to the fighters, but as an observer, I don't think you should really take that into account yeah it, it like it's our job to not be uh personal about it <laughs> you know it's it, whether it's someone we know or we like or we don't know or we don't like be be either nice or not nice to him but yeah look this it, look it was a fight that i really think and i'll say it again that early takedown from jack ray you you, you always mention it that takedowns really well, what's your opinion even like, if take they them, fail yeah. like just to make them think about it and worry about it and have to adjust like you guys can get comfortable in the stand-up and not really think about the takedown and flow better but if, you, if you're worried about oh, just obviously jack ray is very very good on the ground uh if it gets there it could be all over in, in a matter of seconds or minutes so uh you, like if jack ray's out there just fully like fully willing to stand with him then he doesn't have to worry about that as much and you mentioned how apprehensive he kind of was after that first takedown attempt mm-hmm. and you know, uh, it was a terrible fight, but he, he, you know, for Blackovich, he did a, he won, like, so you can say the game plan was good. Yeah, there was, I, like, I think there was one stage, maybe in the fourth round, where I saw him jabbing and getting forward. I was like, that's, that's kind of the first time he's done that for a, a period more than maybe 30 seconds. And <laughs> that's kind of the story of the fight, I suppose. So what would your, uh, what would your rating be for that fight? <sighs> like uh, a rookie two. Too. I'm I'm going lower. I'm going lower. To be honest, I thought it was an all-time bad fight. Not <laughs> not quite. Not quite, like my my rating system is from to, zero to one is worst fight ever, and from one to two is worst fight of the year. So I'm not quite going worst fight ever. I'm going one point one. I thought it was a, I thought it was a horrendous fight. Just boring. One point one. One point one. I, I like. I think they're two good fighters, and they could have produced a lot more, but they both kind of laid an egg, and it was just. A boring fight. I'm not even going to complain about the like judge. If there wasn't, if there wasn't the threat that if Jack Ray does get him down, that he could turn this around, I, 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 I probably would have agreed. But just the fact that there, there was that possibility that like he could end up kind of in a advantageous grappling position and get this done quickly. But it's still, obviously, two is terrible. So maybe, maybe I'd agree with you if I didn't fully 100% believe that jujitsu is bullshit and doesn't work. I would agree. <laughs> no, I'm only joking. But yeah, there, there was a bit of that, but. Like jujitsu as a plan A, I I'll keep on saying no. I okay, everyone. I I get a bit mad and say jujitsu doesn't work, and that, obviously that's very glib. But jujitsu as a plan A, like Jacare going in here, he, and actually it's funny because Jacare, Jacare doesn't have just jujitsu as a plan A because he's definitely improved his striking. He throws big shots over the top, usually. But in this fight, he did a bit of that, but it was mostly up against the fence, trying to pull him down, trying to use his jujitsu, and that I'm sorry in 2019 it'll work to a certain level it'll work you know if you're fighting someone in the top 30 it'll work but when you're fighting someone like uh Blahovic, you know it's it's a tough it's a tough tough role and even when Blahovic fights so badly it's i think it's a tough one but anyway um in the comment event then we had shogun hua versus paul craig 
And I said in the main event I wouldn't complain about the judging, but in the judging in this one, I'm definitely going to complain because I think this was a, I think this was bad judging. Uh, I think this was a pretty simple Shogun 29-28. Craig won the first. He was throwing lots of shots, and I, I tweeted out... Uh, He's doing in the positive. He's throwing lots of shots and he's letting his hands go. In the negative, he's throwing lots of shots and letting his hands go because he was getting tired. You could see it. He was throwing so many shots. Uh, he pulled guard in the second. Uh, Shogun landed on top. Craig didn't actually do much. It wasn't one of those rounds where you think he'd win from the bottom. He landed one good up, a good up kick, but Shogun was landing shots. And in the third, it was basically all Shogun on top. Uh, Craig got a late takedown, but did absolutely not win it. The most simple twenty nine twenty eight. You'd ever see? Do you? What? What do you think? Yeah, I was surprised as well because uh, you know, obviously, where the event was taking place, uh, mm-hmm. Shogun's a, a huge name, and it, it wasn't. If there was any kind of doubt, or well, like I was thinking, it was going to be Shogun, and I suppose at least it was a draw and not a not a loss on the record. But uh, yeah, um, Craig actually, you know, you mentioned the kind of punches he drawn. He looked more confident and yeah, he better good in the first round. Yeah. On the feet, maybe he, in in that in that flurry that went of punches, I don't know how many it was. It was like left, right, left, right. Maybe he did gas himself out a bit there, but uh, maybe the, he thought he had Shogun and it was going to be the biggest knockout of his career and a huge moment for him. So he went for it and fair play to him. Like, uh, um, you know, uh, kind of pretty much if he couldn't get it to the ground quickly, uh, but that wasn't the case. So he's he's, he's shown improvements. You know, when he first came into the UFC. Uh, he, he was basically just a jiu-jitsu guy doing MMA. Mm-hmm. Um, showing a little bit of improvement here, and um, I don't know if they'll do a rematch here. Probably, probably not. Yeah, don't think anybody's really calling for it. I, I'm calling for it because my friend lives in Glasgow, and I'd love to go over there to go. All right, well, Sean's <laughs> calling for it. <laughs> calling make it for it. Yeah, make it happen. Make it happen. Made a bit to Glasgow, I'll take it. But yeah, do, do you think there's any shouts for a ten-eight in the first round for Craig? That's what one judge gave it to make it a draw. No. no, I don't either. To be honest, yeah, I, I, look, it it wasn't the worst scorecard ever, but it wasn't good. It really wasn't good. And I think the thing about it as well, there was a couple of dodgy, maybe not decisions, but dodgy cards in this uh, uh, on this card. It's I, not the worst, like you know, the ten eight is not the worst scorecard, no, but it's <laughs> not good. Like this is twenty nine, twenty eight. Like, and I, I think the thing as well about. You know, the, the Brazil have their own commission and they have their own judges for for the most part. And I think the thing about that is that maybe they're not as in tune with the new, in inverted commas, scoring system, which everyone has been basically scoring in England and in uh, in in the US and everywhere all over the world where kind of Mike Mazzulli's gone around and maybe big John McCarthy with Bellator as well explaining the new scoring system and having chats about it and in America obviously in in most places they're doing it as well and as we talk about in this podcast almost weekly there's a very good consistency coming with judging now you'll always have the couple maybe one every couple of weeks or a couple of months or whatever and these big cards that that's a bit iffy but I feel like in Brazil there's there was a bit too much last night on that card and especially this Shogun one where it was just uh a thing of maybe they're not as in tune with this the how fights are scored right now or don't have the experience maybe at the top level like guys doing it in America or the UK have. So it's an interesting thing going forward, I suppose, to look at with Brazil, see if that will improve or see maybe if the UFC will bring over judges or, or Bellator or whoever bring over judges or the commission uh, themselves. And it's actually the commission in Brazil, I think. So it's unfair to say UFC bring over judges because the commission are the ones who need to organize the judges to bring over because they're the ones in charge. So, you know, it's not, definitely not... Um, 
Definitely not a, a good decision. What did you think of the fight itself? I know you mentioned Craig, uh, kind of Rosie Stock maybe, and Bisping said that, and I saw a lot, a lot of people maybe disagreeing with that. But I thought I actually thought he did. I, I agree with you when you said uh, he came in. He was maybe just a jiu-jitsu guy, but he looked improved. I thought his hands looked good. He was throwing some good kicks. They might have made him a little bit tired later on, but it didn't really count because he he pulled guard and he got got on the bottom. But as he strikes more, like you know, uh, obviously we talked about him just being a jiu-jitsu guy recently. He'll he'll. You know, you were mentioning the cardio kind of expending too much. That'll become more natural, and he won't expend as much energy if he if he keeps at it. Like, um, like obviously, I'm 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 not thinking of him ever making a real title shot or, or title run or anything like that. But he's he's you know he, for a guy that maybe you think of you a couple more losses, he might be good. I think maybe he might have turned a bit of a corner, but maybe it's a thing of Shogun being on the way down as well. But uh, just from a pure Craig standpoint, I think. I think it was a really good performance and uh, obviously <laughs> kind of saying that when I thought he should have lost but and he didn't win the fight in the end on the judges scorecard but uh, I still think you can take uh, a lot of positives from that if you're if you're Craig. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. Yeah, I, I, it, it, Like you have to look at it in the vacuum of knowing what Paul Craig used to be and knowing what he is now and I, I, I agree, I definitely agree with that. What do you think on the... Uh, the whole sentiment kind of going around last night that Shogun should retire and he obviously like Shogun doesn't look like what he used to look like I think we can all agree on that but you know he drew Craig last night he beat Tyson Pedro before that he lost Anthony Smith which lots of guys have done he did, we hit a three fight win streak before that beating Jean Valente Corey Anderson and and uh, Lil Nog so yeah I think it's I think it's when guys are like kind of liked that people want them to retire earlier nearly mm-hmm. when they're kind of like a guy that they kind of have a bit a bit of affection for from the olden days or from pride like Shogun Rampage people like that like BJ Penn like people probably wouldn't care if it was some random like you know uh, random fighter they'd be like oh whatever don't retire but it's sad to see some of these guys you know uh, go bad basically or look terrible and get the shit beat out of them when they're old but I don't think Shogun's at that stage yet mm-hmm. he like you know <laughs> he should have won this fight probably and didn't lose this fight anyway yeah. uh, and as you mentioned he's you know he's, he's had a couple of losses but he's he's had some good wins as well so uh, no I don't think I don't think like if he retired I'd be like oh great you know he's had a great career well done get out before you take too much damage but realistically like compared to others I don't think it's 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 uh it's time for him to or to be calling for him to retire. Yeah, I think MMA is an odd sport as well, where unless the wheels are like absolutely falling off, that we're, we're retirement isn't the thing. Like, there's more money to be made than ever now, really. Yeah. Uh, you know, Shogun's been around for a long time, probably fighting for not very much a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, compared to now, maybe at the time it was a lot of money uh, relatively to the other fighters, but. Compared to the money you can make now, if you like, it's probably peanuts. Yeah. So these guys are sticking around trying to trying to get paid. <laughs> yeah, you can't you can't blame him. When you know when he's not getting knocked out, when he's in competitive fights like this, I'm no, I, I'm not gonna call for his retirement. I I'd love to see him retire. I'd love to see him take no more damage. He's taken lots of damage down throughout the years, but you know he's not getting touched once and knocked out. Now he has in in past fights, but you know last night as we mentioned Craig hit him a good few times and hit him with spinning back kicks and everything and he didn't he didn't get knocked out so look he's okay I'd love to see him retire as I said he's he's not going to win any more championships he's done what he's done he's had the prime of his career and it's all on the way down from here now even though you know he might hang in there and you know, but I'm not you know this is not like oh BJP and he needs to retire but I never want to see him fight again this is disgusting we're not at that stage no <laughs> when we're not at that stage in MMA this is grand so uh, yeah we'll we we'll, we we'll leave it at that. Charles Oliveira versus Jared Gordon. Then I suppose this was 
maybe the, the standout performance of the night. Uh, Oliveira came in. Uh, Jared Gordon threw that right hand. Oliveira dipped it outside to the left. Came in with a straight right of his own. Right down through the middle. Knocked Jared Gordon down. Almost out with that. Landed. or well, He, he kind of wobbled him with that. Then he landed the, um, he landed the uppercut. Badly stunned. And then he finished him with a kind of a half coffin nail on the ground. As he was up against the fence. This is this is exactly what I mean about needing to be a well-rounded mixed martial artist. Charles Oliveira, one of the best jiu-jitsu guys in the world. And when you have that threat, it just opens up the striking so much. You you allow guys, like, like Jared Gordon. Jared Gordon was mad up for this fight. He went in there and he was like, I'm going to throw everything on the feet while I get the chance. I'm not going to let him take me down. And he still lost. Because Oliveira has the ability as a well-rounded mixed martial artist to land that shot right down through the middle and hurt him. That's what you need, really, isn't it? And there was, this was very, very good from Charles Oliveira, wasn't it? Yeah, it was an, another guy who was kind of a jiu-jitsu guy when he first came along, and he's mm-hmm. definitely well round there his game. He's got some crisp uh, striking, like now, and that's what—that's two in a row now that he's that he's like he used to be just a submission guy and kind of just dangerous early. And if it's if it didn't really if the submission didn't come early, he'd kind of he kind of be like, oh, okay, maybe I'll come back a different day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. But uh, he seems to have an extra kind of confidence to him now. And he's obviously that's backed up by, by obviously striking ability that he didn't have before. So um, yeah, he's, he's, he's dangerous everywhere. Like if, you, if you're thinking, oh, if I just avoid this guy's submissions early and uh, I drag him into slightly deep water and keep him on the feet, I've got him. That's not really the case anymore by the looks of things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he got But obviously, like you know, you could see he's fighting Nick Lentz and Jared Gordon, and David true. Tamer, Jim Miller, you know, Clay Guida. It's not exactly a who's who the upper echelon of the division. That's true. Uh, speaking of, he called out Conor McGregor afterwards. Mm. Um, I I don't think that. You need a bit of a bigger wind to get a momentum behind that, and. Yeah. and some guy 90% of people I've never heard of I don't think it'd be the worst fight in the world for McGregor coming back like I, I think Oliveira's at a place now Just where doesn't have the, he doesn't have the name value he doesn't value. have the name value yeah, yeah. but I'm talking about pu- from purely sporting and I talked about this before I want like for McGregor coming back if he wants to become unicorns and leprechauns and stuff yeah fairy fairy, fairy, fairy land tales, yeah, but, no but honestly I think if he wants to get back to the you know I think it was a three year anniversary this, uh, this week of the Eddie Alvarez win which a lot of people said was one of the best performances in UFC history if he wants to get back to that it's going to take time and he's not going to come straight back and be like that now maybe he will or maybe I'm wrong and hopefully I am but I think he needs kind of warm up fights and Char- people will probably say what the fuck are you saying Charles Oliveira warm up fight he's won like six in a row but as you mentioned there the people he's beaten like if McGregor at 75% I think beats Charles Oliveira pretty comprehensively uh, he's good take down defence and uh, McGregor and you know <sighs> I think he can survive with him for jiu-jitsu if it goes there for a second. But on the feet, I think he can keep it up and he'd probably end up knocking him out. And it'd be a very, very good win. But for only MMA fans, he doesn't have the name value. He doesn't have the, the cowboy name value even, which is probably worth more even cowboy, not in the best uh, not in the best form of his career. But from a purely sporting point of view, if we're looking at just that, I think actually it's not a bad matchup, but very, very unlikely to happen. Um, and... Uh, Paul Felder he calls out as well, which he, Paul Felder beat him a few fights ago, I know, and he's all those wins since, but I don't know, it feels like Felder is wanting maybe bigger names now at this stage, or bigger matchups, and unlikely to take a guy who he's already beaten, so, yeah, look, Charles Oliveira will probably get another fun fight um, against someone who's not that big of a name, and we'll all, we'll all go on. Uh, do you know what I'd like to see, actually? Charles Oliveira versus Justin Gaethje. 
down the line somewhere. I think that'd be fun. I feel like that'd be fun. I don't know why. Yeah, I think I think Gaethje would probably me murder too, him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me too. Um, after that, then the Moon is a royal fight, boring as shit. Tormund Perez even worse after a good start. James Krause looked very good, and this <laughs> this had me kind of doing the, the, the you know the frog sipping the coffee drink with the the world class jujitsu guy just falling on his arse trying to get him down to the ground faking knockdowns trying to get the guy the the fight to the ground at all uh at all fucking causes whatever the word is just couldn't and james cross cost. all costs there you go and james cross knocked him out with a lovely shot towards the towards the end of the fight um you know i like james cross i think he's a good fighter i think he's like he's well-rounded and he seems to improve an awful lot. i'm not sure if he's a guy who will who will um who will raise to the to a, an either even higher level but i think he'll be around in the ufc for a good while um and uh, this kind of this kind of show that i supposed to go over to brazil and, and win it win it there is it was a good win for him um francisco Trinaldo versus bobby green very close first round green was hurt early almost guillotined him came back i thought Trinaldo just did enough to win that the second was all bobby green making him miss and landing shots himself and the third was close but i thought Trinaldo just landed the harder shots Trinaldo got a 30 27 on one card which was the other standout bad card on the night i think because bobby green definitely won that second round now he didn't land that much but Trinaldo landed absolutely nothing but i think 29 28 Trinaldo was a uh, was a good card anyway 29 28 green wouldn't have been a bad card either um randy brown got a lovely submission over warley alves another jiu-jitsu jiu-jitsu doesn't work yeah <laughs> uh, but he beat he beat a jiu-jitsu guy so that this is actually kind of proving my point that a top level jiu-jitsu guy like warley alves can get submitted uh, warley alves though is he is he in the gi like uh, yeah, do you, when they have all these like jiu-jitsu credentials all this is the one like they should, it should be specified like it's a huge difference between gi and no gi yeah, like, if you're if you're like some kind of gi world champion you're coming to mma probably you're gonna get smashed like yeah yeah very likely but like my my point everyone thinks i'm anti-jujitsu but it's actually pro-jujitsu jujitsu is so good these days it's hard for it to get it work to work like and when a guy like randy brown can beat warley alves a guy who's known i love jujitsu so much i hate it yeah that's, that's basically <laughs> it but it's, it's risen to such a high level for everyone that it's it, sometimes it's you know the guys who are really good at it, it doesn't benefit them but here we go anyway but randy brown, he got he got taken down twice from kicks and he defended very well in the first round. He almost got rear naked choked in that first round and defended unbelievably well to pull that hand off and stop him uh, stop him getting the, the uh, palm and palm and palm or whatever you call it. Uh, so he did very well. And then the second round he came out, obviously got the triangle. The, the, the triangle, I didn't, it looked like he wasn't going to get it because he's, I don't know, I felt like his legs were too long to get it. <laughs> but but uh, there was, seemed to be a gap there. But in the end, he he, uh, he got him and, and he uh, he choked him on it. So very good there. Hinnenborough uh, against Douglas Silva de Andrade. I actually thought Hinnenborough didn't look that bad. He clearly lost here, but he took a few shots and he didn't go down. Um, but he's not he what he's he used the beaten to well. He did yeah, take the yeah. well. The TJ Dillashaw first fight, I think, is the turning point. He probably, I think we've mentioned this before a few times, but he probably would have been better off just getting KO'd and DKO'd in the first yeah. round of that mm-hmm. instead of just taking damage for uh, for five rounds. Um, yeah, uh, I don't know. The Hen and Brow thing just makes me, the, the, all the weight-cutting problems just makes me worried about this Aldo uh, bantamweight yeah. idea or thing that's going to happen apparently so just <laughs> i don't know i think uh, there's been there's been some mistakes made in in henna career uh the, like 
the weight cutting, like the weight cutting thing, just it's it's. I think a combination of that and the Tita Dillashaw fight has just has just ruined him beyond repair. Mm-hmm. And it's yeah. sad to say because he was he, he was, was like, like a yeah. monster, as Dana White say. Like Dana White was called him. I know he's calling everybody the pound for pound fighter, but he was calling him the pound for pound fighter, pound for pound number one in the world, all this stuff. Yeah. And people were starting to get behind him, and uh, he was undefeated in however many years, and. It kind of seemed like he was finally going to get. It was finally going to be a big moment for him, but then obviously the wake. The, oh. the dog's barking there. The right? wake cut. Oh! How dare! How dare that dog! Oh, he's going to kill you! I'm leaving <laughs> this in the podcast. That dog is going to eat you. But yeah, I, I agree with you. Like it, and we talk about Weidman as well. People are always saying, you know, you sad with Weidman as well and, and with Perot. But I feel like th- those such bad beatings. Are, I I think are, are a plain reason. If it's someone else, or maybe they hadn't taken that be bad beatings in Yami Abi. And look, it could be as well. They've never failed this, but who are we to say? But those, just those beatings take so much out of you. It's absolutely huge. And he, he had that. And look, Hinnebrough's never going to be what he used to be. Um, like He's the type, the type of guy where he probably needs... <laughs> You know, he probably needs to go to Japan or somewhere and be able to get on those Mexican supplements to maybe get back to where he used to be. Even if he didn't take them before, he probably needs them now. Yeah. After that, then uh, Ariane Lipsky got a got a good win there. I think this was kind of a, a fight where she realized she had to win and was happy enough to kind of stay on top for the for the second and third round. Came out all guns ablaze and almost knocked out Isabella de Padua early. Uh, got a point taken. Isabella did in the second round for an up kick. Um, and there was another fight actually was it what fight was it I'm not 100% sure where there was uh, I, I think it was that uh, it was either yeah it was the Moon Andre Munoz Arroyo fight where there was uh, a kick that looked like it was a kick to a grounded opponent but he wasn't but the referee didn't take a point anyway so it wasn't too bad but yeah Ellipski won there and then uh, Tracy Cortez won as well right a little bit of an Irish MMA roundup here before we move on to other things um, Johnny Jitsu John Redmond lost uh, to Jonathan Weston over in Sweden. Didn't manage to see the whole fight, uh, but I saw the finish look like it was a bit of a, a late stop. She was taking lots of damage there, so uh, obviously going over to Sweden there, uh, a loss for, for Johnny Jitsu. Um, Sinead Kavanagh in uh, Bellator looked really, really good. Her fight's up on the, the Bellator app, if anyone didn't see it, but obviously no one saw it because it wasn't on TV and it wasn't on live or anything. <laughs> uh, I, actually think, I actually think Sinead will be more pleased with her loss to Leslie Smith in performance wise than this because she came out early she almost got guillotined at the start landed up on bottom uh, there was a head clash in the ground it looked like she wasn't really circling out but in the second she started circling she looked really good she let her hands go um, uh, she, you know she was the cardio looked really good in her right eye. like when you put on a pace like she did in the second round to keep going tr- keep throwing those hands now she got a little bit tired at one stage you know, but it went against the fence and then she came back out again and she got the TKO against uh, Olga Rubin, who's a good fighter, been around for a long time, has a good record and things like that. I thought that was a good win. It was a, it was a promising win as well because in her last fight, maybe the the one criticism was maybe she didn't throw enough shots. Now, I thought she won that fight well and I thought it was a terrible judging season. I think it's bang on for, for um, robbery of the year in, in our awards coming up next month. But 
it, it, uh, those problems kind of weren't there this time. She was doing the circle and she was letting her hands go as well, which is exactly, I think, what Sinead Kavanagh needs because she's a, a hard hitter. She's a very big hitter for that division and she's all the skills, the boxing skills, her takedown defense can be improved upon, but after early the you know the guillotine, uh, I think she uh, she looked good and she, she did a good job of getting off the fence at, at times as well. But all around a very, very good win. A, a good performance in terms of maybe a mental block getting over, but if she can add that performance with the Leslie Smith performance, I think there's, Sinead Kavanagh is a very, very tough fight for anyone, and uh, a good win here. What what did you think of it, Graham? I don't know, did you see it, but a good win for Sinead, doesn't it? Yeah, uh, yeah, it was a really good win. Uh, obviously, she just kind of, her opponent just wanted no more at the end. Yeah. Uh, she's just kind of overwhelmed by, uh, for Sinead, like you kind of mentioned, she, I think even if she does get tired on the feet, she, she, her nat- she's so used to boxing, it's natural to her mm-hmm. uh, over so many years that she, you can kind of just keep throwing. Um, if you just kind of bite down the, the mouthpiece, as they, as they say, and you, even if you are tired, you can keep going. It's, it's kind of I mentioned it before. It's, it's worry. It's the worry for her would be if it hits the ground and maybe she, it wouldn't be as natural to her there, and the cardio wouldn't be as natural to her there. But if she can keep making weight, which is very important, and keep she winning did. against, yeah, she did. With yeah, this it's one, huge. Like you know, you, if you can make weight two or three times in a row, then they can start put putting into a title shot, and you're coming off. Uh, TKO finish of a person who fought for a belt there was it most recently? Yeah, not too, nah, not too long ago. Yeah. yeah, so you're on the right track. Um, just yeah, I think uh, it's a benefit to her that they have these big Dublin shows that they want to put on as well. Like, and that would be a big fight if if Sinead was to fight for a Bellator title. It would be, it would be big. Like you know, Bellator titles are obviously aren't UFC titles, but they're their next best thing. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, you saw the fights over in Brave as well, didn't you? I didn't manage to catch him, but the the Ryan Curtis fight and the Mattis Ooh, yeah, yeah. What, what did you do? Yeah, that leg break in the yeah, Mattis. That, yeah. Oh, fucking hell. The, yeah. But uh, these things happen sometimes in MMA. Ooh. But uh, obviously, it's, it's, a, it's a good win for him and a, a big show. Uh, and Ryan Curtis just never got going. Lack of urgency on the feet early. And then when he got taken down, he just... He just didn't scrawl. He just he seemed to accept bottom. I was I don't know if he was trying to make this fight go long or what the thinking was. I don't know. He just had a it was unlike Ryan. I, I, it was just a bad performance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I but obviously credit to his credit to the other guy. He took him down and uh, got him in an Americana um, quickly. He got the job done. But I think Curtis just he didn't look right. I don't know what was going on, but he didn't seem to get going at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't manage to see it, but yeah, a tough loss for him. Obviously, he's been struggling to kind of get fights and struggling with injury and stuff. So, look, he signed with Brave. Now, I think he signed a, a few uh, few fight contracts, so hopefully he can come back from, from that. And, you know, a lot of people, I think PT was always talking about him being like one of the best prospects coming through, and it really hasn't kind of gone for him over the last few years. So, hopefully he can bounce back from, from that over, over the next uh, over the next year or so. Um, the I-Master on this week, then again... Uh, not the best from Ireland. I think they'll probably be disappointed. Didn't win any gold medals after winning a lot of them two years ago. Didn't win any last time either. So I, I saw Dino Wade putting up there, who is obviously the the commissioner here and travels over them. Does a does a great job with Liam O'Griffin as well from down in Cork. And you talking about all the the Russians going over there and Andy Andy Ryan as well. I must I must mention, but a lot of Russians winning them, heavy wrestlers and things like that. So I think you'll be seeing a lot of those Russian guys coming through uh, from the from the Caucasus and stuff over the next few years. And they did a, a great job there but just to mention the people thanks to Andy Stevenson for sending me on these uh, and the junior bronze Gary Rooney won a flyweight uh, Sinead Newland won a flyweight as well even though 
she didn't fight. She got a buy in the first round, and I think she missed weight or wasn't medically cleared anyway, uh, and wasn't able to fight. But didn't got a fight, didn't fight, and still still won a bronze. So maybe a bit lucky there. But uh, look, hopefully she can come back in. I've seen her fight uh, a couple of times before, and she's she's a, a brave fighter. Throws a lot of shots. So uh, for for play, uh, the junior silver in Nadine Abbott, uh, Bissett at Atomweight and Megan Hamill. Um, and the senior bronze for Alexandra Sullivan, who's been around a long time. I think he's actually Dino Wade's son, if I'm not mistaken, or he fights out of his uh, his gym. And if I'm if I'm mistaken, there, my apologies. Yeah, it is a son, yeah. It is a son, yeah, yeah. So he's been around for long. I've seen him fight at a couple of those cage legacy f- fights, I believe. And uh, the senior silver as well is uh, won by Sean Abannon, who fights out of uh, SBG tw- D24, which is Paddy Hoolan's gym. So very, very good for Paddy and his gym as well. Uh, obviously, uh, rising up through there, she won at the bantamweight division. So you know not the worst ever won a few medals there and it's good to see um you know ireland being being represented out there the likes of jer harris and lee hammond are out there as well didn't manage to win medals but they've been around for a good while and i think uh you know jer Har- lee hammond's been an amateur now for like four years so i don't know i don't know what's going on there maybe he just wants to say amateur maybe he doesn't want to turn pro or whatever but I don't know. It's it's a bit odd, but Jer Harris is still young. I think I think he's one of the top prospects coming through as well. And I'm sure he'll be disappointed, but it's good to be going out there getting the experience anyway. And maybe for for a lot of those people, getting a few fights in the space of a week is big because it's very hard to get fights over here. And uh, maybe people can't afford to be traveling to maybe England or or wherever to to get the fights. Yeah. And you know. obviously the the Russians there, you mentioned they're doing very well, but I think. It hurts you like if you look at a few years ago when there was when there was a lot more fight cards in Ireland and a lot more opportunities for these guys to fight. Ireland were getting a lot more medals, and I think I think um, the lack of fights holds these guys back. Yeah. They don't fight for a long time, then they fight what three or four times in a week if they're if they're going to win the the medals. So I would say very different change of pace, but with a lot of these other guys, some of these Russian guys have extensive amateur records fighting all the time in amateur. So uh, you kind of get into a momentum and you're not rusty. Mm-hmm. You see it with other, like, you know, you even see it in football with an international break, you know, two weeks off and then nearly all the teams are kind of out of a flow then when it, when it gets back. You, you just need a bit of time to, to get back into it, I think. Yeah, and maybe it's the thing of where the, maybe it'd be a good thing to organise like an amateur card a couple of weeks before the IMAFs in future, so they're maybe into that that groove. Maybe you know, maybe they might get injured because of that as well. But you know, maybe that's something to to look at going forward. But yeah, look fair fair play to everyone anyway. Travel and look, Cage Warriors come back as well, putting on amateur cards. Cage Legacy have announced four cards for next year. Obviously, Akuma, I see up up the up the north and clan wars and all different crowds up the north as well putting on fights and i know a lot of people travel up there to get fights um so look there's there's more coming in there obviously we need a lot more uh but as you know as we kind of mentioned last week the cage warriors have got lads cleared so maybe that'll give an impetus to a promoter to put on a card with get lads already cleared and get the, the guys from and the girls from the cage warriors card uh, on there so hopefully hopefully um right the last thing on irish i'm uh, artem had a bare knuckle boxing fight last night against Jason Knight. Um, it was uh, look. I'm not the biggest fan of bare knuckle boxing in the world. I'm not sure how long more it's going to last. To be honest, it doesn't seem that sustainable. But Knight came out in the first two rounds, and I thought he won. The first round was close, but he seemed to hurt his hand uh, in the second round. I think, and Arthur came back in in the third. He was Arthur was caught around the second third round. Uh, came back and won the third and fourth. I thought, but at the end of the fourth round, his left eye looked to be closing. It was badly. Yeah, it was the first or the second round. Arthur was dropped as well. He was uh, dropped. Yeah, he was dropped in the. I think it was the second round yeah uh, and in the fifth round in he uh, night landed a big shot on artem's eye and artem went down i'm not sure if it was um 
I'm not sure if it was an arm bone or just the eye very badly closed. He, he said afterwards he couldn't see anything coming, so you can't really blame him for that. But uh, he went down and he wasn't able to continue after that. But um, what did you think of it overall? Um, yeah, I actually I enjoyed it uh, for for what it is like yeah. the bare knuckle. Uh, it looked like um, I think was it the first or it looked like it was anyway ten eight and a ten nine for Jason Knight in the first two, yeah. and then uh, it looked like Artem was come back into it and won the third and the fourth and kind of needed the fifth for a draw. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think Jason Knight fought or fought or yeah. yeah. Punched a lot better, a lot more smartly than uh, than he did. And he kind of mentioned himself afterwards that he kind of once he got hit in the first fight, he kind of all the tactics went out the window and the range went out the window, and he just wanted to get into a brawl. And he was more kind of he was more on the outside using his using his uh, reach advantage uh, just to kind of try and pick Artem off, and it proved a better strategy than trading with Artem. Yeah, he said after, obviously, Artem won the fourth, their first fight, and this was their second fight, and uh, Jason Knight said afterwards he's no problem giving him the, the rubber match, but Artem didn't seem that up for it, and I know, I, I'd say he'd be up for the fight, but I, I don't know, does, is he up for bare knuckle boxing much anymore? He says he needs to down with the promoter and things, so it could be a case of Artem going, coming back to MMA, or, you know, you, you wouldn't know. Yeah. Well, I think he's, he kind of said, oh, right after a loss, when everything's so low, it's not a time to be making this decisions. Yeah, sorry, yeah. You know, um, it'd be easy to go be there like, like, give me the rematch, give me the rematch, and then but maybe it's kind of smarter to, to take a bit of time because Jason Knight's after just after saying if you want the rematch, you give it to you, no problem. So there's, there's no rush to, to make any decisions right then and there after just being dropped and TKO'd. Yeah, that's true as well. Um, right, so let's move on to, to next week's cards. Obviously, no new UFC next year, but a big week for UK and Irish MMA, uh, with the Cage Warriors card in London on. F- Saturday, I believe. Cage Warriors and, and Bellator next week, anyway. You can look up the dates or so. Let me look at it here. It's the 22nd of the 11th, so whatever day that is. Um, in the main event, it is James Webb defending his middleweight championship against Natias Frederick in a rematch of the fight they had earlier on in the year. Obviously, yeah, this, James this Webb. Friday, Friday, yeah. Friday, Friday, yeah. James Webb fighting out of Team KF under Chris Fields. I interviewed him last week. If you haven't seen it, it's up on the Severe May YouTube. Um, and I asked him basically kind of the question that needs to be asked coming into this fight is the first fight was. Webb is obviously a very good wrestler and he got on top for a lot of that fight and it was a it was a close decision to draw obviously um and there's like the judging judging has changed we talk about it an awful lot where just being on top is not winning new rounds where and you know if you're on top for like four minutes and you get up and a fella lands one or two shots that other guy is winning the round so I, I kind of asked that to James Webb and he realized that and he said that that he that's somewhere he needs to improve and you see some of the training videos that come out of him you know hitting the heavy bag and and on the ground you know getting on top of it landing big shots so I think if you're looking at one thing going into this fight, it's that. Seeing how he improves in that area, maybe landing more output, putting you know, landing more shots when he gets on top. He has the takedowns and everything like that. But um, you know, Frederick then is you you saw in the first fight, he's he's dangerous from all areas, legal and illegal. You know, he dropped him with that fucking what was it, the pedigree or something like that. He smashed him on his head at a, a couple of stages. But I'm really looking forward to this fight because. I'm interested to see the changes Webb makes. I'm interested to see if he can keep getting those takedowns and do more with him, or maybe hold him down a little bit more. Like Frederick did a good job of getting out from the bottom at times as well, early in the fight especially, and he's heavy hands standing up. So maybe Frederick, if he can keep Webb off him, get the double underhooks, turn out from the fence, and land those big shots, he'll have the advantage. Whereas Webb, if he can get him down, hold him down, and land some big shots, he'll have the advantage as well. So obviously coming off after a draw, it's, it's going to be who makes those changes and who can who can do them better. But I'm looking forward to it. What, what, are, what are your thoughts on the crowd? 
Yeah, I think it's one of the. It's good to make a rematch, as you said. There's a bit of controversy. It's a draw. Uh, it's 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 always interesting when when we're kind of like with the Irish interest, obviously, to see how these guys are developing, and uh, obviously, uh, Frederick's going to be looking at it as well, and uh, Frederick's going to be looking at it as well, and looking at ways he can improve. And uh, I, I just think James Webb is kind of. Uh, I think I think he's he's got enough wins. I think he kind of made more mistakes. Yeah, that, that can be easily corrected. Mm-hmm. Not that they were big mistakes or anything, but just little things, the little details that can be that can be changed to to make that fight a, a clear decision for him in the in the last one. So yeah, I think I think this is a it's interesting to see because you know um, may, maybe I think this is the first time Webb's been fighting this, the same guy again. So um, kind of when you've kind of already been been in there with the guy, maybe you have some kind of impressions of them you don't want to go to certain places and that can affect your your game plan but i don't think that's going to be the case and i, th- I think it's 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 going to be a close fight i think but i think Webb's going to going to have enough yeah i think he can make the, the adjustments easier mm-hmm. uh I, 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 under that then there's two more titles up for grabs the 145 pound title between mads burnell and steve amiable which is going to be a very very fun fight um uh, and then the light heavyweight title is uh, Modestas Bukowskis against uh, Ricardo Nosiglia. Uh, so two big uh, title fights in there. So they all go five rounds. You'll have a pretty long night. <laughs> but anyway, it should be it should be good. Uh, Alex Lahore is on this card as well. But I suppose maybe the biggest name on this card is Paddy Pimblett, who takes on Joe Giannetti after he was uh, initially scheduled to fight Donovan Desme, which a lot of people are looking forward to. But uh, Giannetti fought in the Ultimate Fighter. I think he's won UFC fight. And he's a, he's a tough fight as well coming back from Paddy Pimblett. You know, there's no easy fights coming back. But... It's good to see Paddy back there, isn't it? And I, I think people still have high hopes for Paddy, even though he's had maybe not the best couple of years in his career. Do you, do you think it's, you know, Paddy over next year, it's kind of a big year for him? Oh, definitely. It's definitely a big year. People kind of, uh, what was it, two or three years ago, people kind of were, were expecting him to go to the UFC quickly. And yeah. he kind of he did the Ariel Hawani interview there a couple of years ago as well and said he, he he's happy to wait and gauge worries. But you, you can... You, you, <laughs> You need to make it happen at some stage. Like he, he kind of lost the momentum that he had. Uh, yeah, he. I think he, he has the personality and the people behind him to get that back. But you need to you need to start making it happen. And this is a vital fight for him to, to go out there, look impressive, and win. Mm-hmm. If he goes out there and doesn't look impressive, people people kind of forget about you pretty quickly. Yeah, and he's been training. Uh, I think it's in Leeds. There's a very good Muay Thai gym there as well. And a lot of people have always been, you know, us included, about maybe his striking being something that was lacking. So you know, he's spent a few weeks there, and hopefully that's something that will improve in his game as well. So if that comes, you know, we know about how good Paddy is on the ground. Um, and I think he's talked about going back down to 145 as well, maybe after this, and he's in the best shape of his life and everything. So it's very interesting to see this fight. High hopes for Paddy, and hopefully he can. Uh, he can look good in here and, uh, uh, you know, maybe maybe uh, get a new lease of life in his career again. Uh, other than that, then, you have Warren Key uh, on this card. Corey Tate, uh, Luca Vine, who's been around for a long time. Adam Amasinger as well. So, you know, good card the whole way uh, up and down through it. Um, and then Bellator have a big card as well with uh, MVP uh, headlining. He was supposed to take on Derek Anderson, but he fell out. Uh, and he's fighting Giovanni Melio, who maybe doesn't have the best record in the world. Maybe he's another uh, another handy enough fight for MVP. But what's the crack with MVP? It, it feels like it feels like he is happy enough to kind of take any fight, and 
doesn't really care about pushing himself back into the title contention. Oh, we interviewed him there a couple of weeks ago, and he kind of said he did, but it, the proof isn't really in the pudding, is it, with MVP? Yeah, well, he kind of made the step up and uh, look, looked good. Like, you know, well, he beat Paul Daly, and, you know, it went it went very wrong for him uh, against Lima, but I think, I think uh, you know, he, he should be building towards a rematch with with Lima and maybe obviously opponents falling out and stuff and maybe probably pretty hard for, for MVP to get opponents as well um, I think over the years it hasn't fully been his fault but obviously <laughs> it's a lot of it it went on way 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 too long and, and nobody wants to see that happen again where we have to watch 7-8 fights against guys we know he's going to beat or have pretty much no chance of beating him Um We've already seen that for years. We don't need to see that again. But one or two fights to build back up to the Lima fight makes sense. And maybe that's what they were trying to do. But they this opponent fell apart. So we'll see what happens in the next fight. But yeah, I think uh, he needs to step back up again. This is We've seen this before and it's just not that interesting anymore. Yeah. I'll, I, look, I always look forward to the MVP fight. I love that. I love that style. I love his style, Wonderboy style, you know, that sort of style. So I'm looking forward to, to seeing him fight. But yeah, it's, it's a pity that uh, he hasn't a more name opponent anyway. Uh, but this undercard is very, very good. Uh, Soren Back versus Terry Brazier. That's a that's a fantastic fight, you know. Cage Warrior Shepherd versus Bama Champion. Two hard, tough guys who hit hard and wrestle very hard as well. I'm looking forward to seeing that one. Fabian Edwards, your boy against Mike Shipman. What do you think of that fight? That's a that's a, a tough fight as well, I suppose. Well, not, maybe not a tough fight, but a good you know fight to see exactly where Fabian is against Mike Shipman, a tough guy who's been around for a long time. Yeah, it's a guy with more experience and and a better record with, with a good experience and it's kind of the first time that Edwards is going to have to face somebody like this but I, I do think he's going to have uh, a lot too much for Shipman I think I think Edwards is a, is a real talent and uh, I think kind of wherever this fight wherever he wants to win this fight he probably will win it and if he if he fights just smart he, he'll probably he'll probably win in the first round I, I, Shipman's a good fighter but I, I I don't think there's much outside of the UFC for, for Edwards that will beat him without without him kind of beating himself. Yeah, I agree. I, I even think when he when he rises to the level of the Musasis or that sort of level, I think he's going to beat all of those as well. <laughs> like uh, I'm getting fully on the train after you. Uh, I think he's I think he's absolutely fanta- fantastic fighter. But uh, my Shimon, you know, he is the first test as you mentioned, and interesting to see where he goes. But um, uh, I suppose more Irish have made in Charlie Ward is on this card against uh, Pietro Pinin. He Charlie's won his last four in a row, so another good fight for him here. And you know, if he wins this, he might be moving on into into that sort of level as well with Bellator because he's had a great uh, a great time with Bellator so far. But you know, as we kind of talked about last week, when guys are winning with Bellator in this European series, they don't really seem to be going anywhere. But you know, maybe Charlie, but obviously, you know, Conor McGregor is is, is likely to turn up at, at times when he's fighting, uh, and uh, that might actually help him here. So if he can get a, another win here, you you never know. Um, other than that, then you have Charlie Leary versus Tim Wilde, which would be a good fight. Uh, Aiden Nees on this card, Robert Whiteford versus Sam Cecilia, Alfie Davis. He was supposed to fight Miles Price, but I think Miles Price is injured. But uh, I like Alfie Davis. I think he's a very very good fighter as well. So he's on the card. Uh, Chris Bungard is back here as well, who people would know and uh, a few other fights there and Tim Barnett yeah Tim Barnett yeah Tim Barnett I just see Graham Boylan putting out like uh, oh very happy for Tim Barnett obviously he's on kind of the downslope of his career and he's going to Bellator not in those exact words but a very kind of a very I suppose I don't know what the word is but uh, passive aggressive comment there I mean, just aggressive maybe he wasn't even passive but yeah look these things happen right we'll take one or two questions before we do that did you watch the uh 
the Nick Diaz interview and what did you think of it? I didn't watch the the whole thing, but I saw clips for it. It was like clipped on on Twitter and on Reddit and stuff. Yeah, it's it's kind of a sadder Nick Diaz. It was, yeah. But it's just a kind of stream of consciousness, just the same stuff. But it, he does seem to to be kind of fed up or something. Yeah. He doesn't seem to have that kind of the same kind of fuck you attitude that he used to. But maybe it's just more just him just trying to. He was just being honest, um, and he, he he's kind of he's always kind of felt like this, but it seems more extreme now, maybe. Yeah, like to me, it just felt like um, I, I don't know. It, it it didn't feel like the same man. Like if like Nick Diaz has always been like this, but he always kind of had a flow to it. He always had kind of. Uh, you could kind of understand where he was going, even though he went on for like 35 minutes answering a question like, uh, how are you feeling? You know, I'm you know, one of those lads. This time it was just absolute ramble and I hadn't a clue what he was saying most of the time and he kind of, not slurring his words, but, you know, and I know he smokes a lot of weed and stuff, but maybe it wasn't just weed in his system. It was... It just didn't seem like the same Nick Diaz. It was kind. It was kind of sad watching. Before, like we talked about it before, I think we're both big fans of Nick Diaz, and he's very he's very funny. All his interviews down through the years, but it was it just seemed a bit sad. And I don't want to dwell on it too much because I think everyone's talked about it. But yeah, it, it seemed a bit weird. But uh, another thing is that it was funny. I listened to my boys over in uh, the the Sound of Violence podcast. They, they do a great podcast where they talk about MMA podcast. But it's, it's a very good listen. They were saying everyone was talking about Nick Diaz and Logan Paul, and we were the only ones who wouldn't. So here I'm going to talk about Logan Paul here for <laughs> for a second. You didn't see that fight, did you? Logan Paul KSI. No, no, I didn't. No. I, I, I watched it. Logan Paul actually looked good. I think his boxing skills are good, but your man KSI just threw a lot of shots and won it. But I think the thing about that is, and I this is the one point I'm making. It's only no need to turn off the podcast. Although we're nearly over people need to realize that boxing and MMA are prize fighting. And it's not just about the fighters. It's not just about the sports. It's not just about this sport that you absolutely love and you hate when anyone does anything bad about it. Because I love it as well. And I hate when anything do- anyone does something bad about it as well. But this is about fans and not just you as a fan. It's about casual fans. It's about people who want to purchase these fights or who want to view these fights and give you know we talked about the adver- advertising dollars earlier on the more people to watch the more advertising money they get the more pay-per-view money they get and all that and at the end of the day if people want to watch it people are going to put on these fights and okay within reason they're not going to put on murders or whatever but it's at the end of the day it's two lads gone in there thrown down two very popular lads that people want to see that people have interest in like it's it's an odd situation, but I think we have to understand it rather than just throwing out the windows like this is fucking shit. What's going on? And it is shit. Like it wasn't it wasn't a good fight. Uh, look, I think Logan Paul took it very seriously, and I think he's developed lots of skills. But you know, n- not a very very good boxer or fighter, or whatever you want to call him. But we have to understand the draw of these people. These are huge stars on YouTube. You might know them. I have no fucking clue who they are, but people know who they are young people know who yeah, they I are I actually don't know I, the only time I heard about them was through the first boxing bout and yeah. this boxing bout but uh, obviously it's a uh, they're very popular to a different generation and uh, free show fights have always done well <laughs> you know uh, the people aren't necessarily in, interested in the most skilled guy against the second most skilled guy or to see who the most skilled guy is people are interested in just the kind of chaos and 
novelty of, of things like this. Yeah, Logan Paul is the dude who, there was a famous video where like he went through a forest in Japan, I think it was, where people went to commit suicide and he saw like a dead body there and he like broadcast it live on YouTube. So that's why people know him, he's a fucking dickhead. But KSI is actually funny from what I see. There's one video that went around where he ran like through the streets and like bumped into people and then like dived like a soccer player and he had a referee coming on giving him a yellow card and things. It was actually very funny. I'm not doing it justice, but uh, he's actually, he's pretty funny, I think. But I haven't seen, that's kind of the only video I've seen of him, but they're, they're YouTubers with millions and millions of followers. But look, sure, look, these things happen. Right, a couple of questions here. Uh, one from Jill from Millsap. Uh, I asked this before, but I don't think you answered. Would it be beneficial or a good investment for the UFC to put on some tournaments? Would fans like the better than, say, the Ultimate Fighter? What do you think of tournaments in, in the UFC, Graham? <sighs> They've been done before and they just always, nearly always seem to fall apart. Uh, replacements come in, like even the, the, the big strike force. Uh, uh, heavyweight tournament Daniel Cormier was, wasn't even in the tournament and he ended up winning it so uh, it's not necessarily a bad thing but it's just it's, it's just been a mayhem uh, probably probably doesn't really capture the the casual fans either so uh, sometimes there's a situation where where you can in a certain division it makes sense mm-hmm. but I don't see any outstanding kind of mm, or division that needs that needs that needs it at the moment uh, like in boxing they did what was it called the super six yeah that was very good yeah, yeah they did and it, it took a little bit longer i think than it was expected due to injuries and stuff mm-hmm. like that but it got done in the end but um i think it's a it's a lot of hassle that the uc probably just don't want do you know what i think it'd be cool right if they did a tournament but leave the champion out of it so do a tournament Let, let's say lightweight where they take eight guys and they make a tournament and the winner of that tournament gets a title shot against Habib. That, like, that, I think that'd be cool. Now, it might take him a year or something. Or may, maybe even less. Maybe four guys. Let's say if you get... I'm looking at here. Let's say Gaethje, Felder, uh, Barbosa, and... I don't know. Uh, Paria. Let's say you put the four of them in. They're, they're, they have a semi-final and a final and the winner gets Habib. I think that'd be fucking brilliant. Like, I, I think you could do that in the space of a year and... I think those lads would be willing to do it if they got a title shot at the end. So I think something like that might be might be good for, for the UFC. Um, run from Carl here. Do you think Jan Blahovic's stock goes down based on that fight? Mm, I, I think no, people won't remember it, to so. be honest. Yeah. <laughs> I, think, I don't think it makes any difference. I think if you weren't is... watching that like live, you're not going to go back and watch it. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, I think ha- on on like on the record, it's going to look good. So I think it's beneficial to him, if anything. Yeah. Uh, Gavin Springer was that the worst main event ever going it was, it was up there Fra- Francis versus Derek Lewis wasn't main event so it wasn't as bad what about Brandon Vera and Randy Couture I don't even remember that was that terrible yeah it was terrible awful what about um, fucking Yair Rodriguez versus Jeremy Stevens or the end the iPod after 15 seconds different yeah that but... wasn't as long and boring though that was yeah. just disappointing more than yeah this was five five rounds of fucking shit so yeah it was it was <laughs> up there and uh, a few people have asked Carl there and, and Mike and a few how did sh- how, how did you think Shogun looked did he look bad look slower than ever I actually didn't think he looked that bad like uh, he took a shot he landed some good shots let his hands go look grand on top I thought he was actually going to get up kicked at one stage because he kept diving in but I thought he looked alright but what, what did you think yeah, I think he kind of looked, he didn't look great, but he didn't look like the retirement talk that we, we, people were talking about earlier. He he looked like a kind of over-the-hill fighter, but he didn't look shot. Yeah. 
Yeah, I thought it didn't look too bad, but sure, look. These things happen in May, right? That's the podcast for today. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Sign up, patreon.com forward slash severe podcast. Christmas is coming up now, and we have loads of stuff coming out, and we'll have the New Year's uh, awards and everything like that. Yeah, over Christmas, Liverpool are going to attempt to become world champions, not just European champions as well. Fair play to them. I hope they do it. I hope... (laughs) The, you yeah, hope they do it yeah well, yeah, be grand <laughs> <laughs> what, what do you think what, what, what are your to go on give it your soccer thoughts there before we go it's mad the way Liverpool are playing the, the two games and in, in, <laughs> one in Qatar and one in uh, England within 24 hours of each other oh really it's just yeah the Aston Villa Car- Carabao Cup uh, you don't care about that anyway do you but it's mad the way, like, you know, <laughs> basically, like, you, you have to pick two different squads mm-hmm. and your manager can't really be there. And it's just kind of ridiculous, the, the, the fixture congestion. But they're trying to bring in this in, this winter break. Mm-hmm. But um, They are bringing yeah, in I this think- year, aren't they? Yeah, it's different than the it's different than the Spanish one. I think though, it's it's like one you, you kind of end up getting two two weeks off, but there isn't a complete break. The, oh, yeah. the, there will be like half the match, half the teams will play. Uh, I think so. Uh, but uh, yeah, I think this fixture congestion coming up over over Christmas for Liverpool is uh, is you know uh, is going to be tough. But I think. Um, Looking at Man City's, uh, you know, they haven't really played anybody in the top six except for Tottenham, so didn't win. Um, so uh, I think hopefully, well, the buffer of, of eight points ahead of most and nine points ahead of City will be enough to get through this tough Christmas time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you have it won. 100%. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, actually, yeah, everyone listen to True Balls podcast. The World, the world, the world, the world Club Championship we have won or, or the, the European Cup again which, or the, the Premier oh, League. Or, oh, would you pull out your full team for the World Club Championship or for the Carabao Cup? Oh, the, the World Club Championship, obviously. Really? How come? Yeah, because to be world champions or to win some terrible cup, nobody cares about. Yeah, but nobody cares about this world championship thing either. They do. Like in what? England, obviously, it's not a big, it's not a big deal. But like I've been listening to a few podcasts, and apparently, like in other countries, it's a big deal. Shit. Seriously, Man. honestly. Man United won it there a while back, and no one gave a fuck. Yeah, I think back then. When was that? Like two thousand like or something. Yeah, was it yeah, that was twenty years ago. Like, yeah, yeah. two thousand eight, we won it as well. I think. Or did we? I don't know. I'm not sure. Possible, okay. but sure luck. The winter break coming for Liverpool as well on this year. Jesus, isn't that such a coincidence? Everything going for Liverpool. VAR going for Liverpool. Oh, yeah. VAR going, going for Liverpool. Getting yeah. goals ruled offside for no reason. Oh, come on. They just, what, that, that double handball, though. What a joke like that. There was two handballs and he didn't give one free. Like, what the you, fuck? That second one isn't even a debate. Yeah, I agree. 100% Trent handled it. I agree. No debate there. The guy kicked it off his hand on purpose and it wasn't in, it was by his side in a natural position. But do you think this, 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 this natural position thing is, is mental? So I know, stupid, like, yeah. you yeah. know, like Deli Ali, like, rule for Liverpool. Ab- Ali had his hand above his head and punched mm-hmm. the ball uh, in the box. But that went for Deli- Liverpool. Do you understand that? Like, that didn't go for Liverpool. It did go the for Deli Liverpool. Ali no, no, the the Alexander Arnold one. They said it was in a natural position, yeah. so it wasn't a penalty. What a joke! Like, what a fucking well, joke! Well, I think the the, the problem should, should have been. I don't know what the, what the exact was VAR. The problem was that it came off Bernard Bernardo's hand. It was an outstretched hand as he was diving. Obviously, when you're when you're that's not it though. Which came off his hand and came off Trent kind of between his hand and his, and his thigh. No, they only and looked that, at the Trent one because the Bernardo Silva one had nothing got but to I'm do saying with that, I'm saying, like, I don't know what the official ruling was all about, but, well, like, it shouldn't have been a... A goal it for Firmino, of course, yeah. It, 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 should, it should have been a... Basically, should have been a free kick mm-hmm. to Liverpool, I think, because the attacker created an opportunity with, with his hand, agree, which is, yeah. in the new rule, is meant to be that. Mm-hmm. 
But uh, obviously they 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 could rule that it was a ball to hand and accidental and give an advantage to Liverpool, which which you could understand. But this this whole thing of uh, you know it, what's a what's a natural position and what's not a natural position is is just yeah. completely ridiculous. I, I think you even agree to you that Fabinho's goal being allowed is one of the greatest farces we've ever seen. No, I, I think like you, no? you can give that as a you can give that as a ball to hand, and we've seen no, no, but there's ball to there's hand two hand balls, you, there's two hand balls, and they still allow the goal to be scored. What? No, because because Gundogan there was a pass to Gundogan, and then Gundogan cleared it to Fabinho, so they had possession back. So it's a new it's a new thing by the rules. I, okay. It is. They had the ball back. Like Man City yeah, but there was two hand balls, and the referee didn't give either of them. It was just farcical. Like that. Like the the Alexander Arnold one was the most clear hand ball you'll ever see. Fair enough. No, it's it, not. That's no, ridiculous. No, no, hold on. No, it hit his hand without a shadow of a doubt. No one can disagree with that. Fair enough. Go to VAR and then they said no. But Fernando Silva handled it first, so it can't be a penalty. Even though they can't do that, and they wouldn't do that. But there was an obvious hand ball by Alexander Arnold. I'm not saying it was a penalty, but it, the game should have been stopped there. It obviously Why should have been stopped there. You play on, and then you go back. It hit and his VAR and makes decisions the, no. ball, the no, second no, no, VAR no, no. does a check it doesn't stop the play no 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 he should have given the penalty because of the obvious handball and then VAR got no he back shouldn't have it was, it wasn't obvious handball that was the, the, it came <laughs> off a guy's hand that, I know you're the most biased person on earth it came off like, it, like yeah, I've seen him given a lot of times but you've seen him not given his ball to hand oh, a but lot it, as well it was straight yeah but that doesn't exist anymore apart from when it's Liverpool it was like less than half, of, half a second you know he's so in sl- uh, super slow motion it when, looks when it, were you watching the game live yeah, you obviously saw it then because I saw it straight away. Everyone, oh, I, I, I thought, oh, that could, I wasn't like that's a stone wall. I was like, oh, that could be, that could be a penalty. Yeah, so even you think it's a penalty? Like he should have given no, it. No, like it's one of them ones. You, you, that's not given one hundred percent of the time. It never has been. Like that's a that's a decision that with can go VA, either way. What about with VAR? Has it been given one hundred percent of the well, time? Well, like the, the day before that, hmm. Deli Ali had punched the ball with his hand above his head and it wasn't given. Ah, so. well, that's a very. I saw that one. It's a very, very different. You could barely see that if it even. Touched oh, you could his see it clear. You couldn't. You, like you, couldn't. you could. They showed a re- they, they looked at the replay for ages and all angles you could see that he. Handballed with his hand no, on no, his head. No, 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 no. That was not clear. This one was clear. He just, there was no, 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 no. Alexander Arnold's hand was out. You could see it. There was no one near him. It clearly hit his hand. The Ali Ali one. There was he, like he two was hands flying. Down. There was he two was heads down flying. From running, you put your hands out a little bit. Like you're not. You're not. It's not this unnatural position. No, no, like having your hands out a little bit is natural. I'm not saying that. It clearly hit his hand. It didn't yeah, clearly it hit, hit Deli Ali. It was hand. a ball to hand though. It did clearly hit Deli no, Ali's hand. No, it didn't. It didn't. You're just incorrect there. Sorry. Go back and look I'm at that. I have looked at it. They showed like ten replays. It didn't. They didn't. No, it didn't. It didn't. No, it didn't. Like I know you're a completely biased Liverpool fan, and I'm biased against him, but this is I'm talking about Ali here. I'm not talking about anything yeah. to do with Liverpool. But you're talking about it because of what happened with Liverpool, like. No, you're saying have you you asked me how have you ever seen with yeah, VAR and you that haven't. I'm not given, and I said it's yeah. obvious you haven't. What about you know the one obvious. the one Fred hit against the guy and Man United got a penalty out of it. Uh, completely, a guy just running hit hits his hand. Didn't even mean to hit it. What yeah, wasn't an actual penalty? Is like a, exactly. Welcome to the but world of football. L- yeah, Liverpool in the Champions League final last year. Oh, you say that was a penalty, and this wasn't. Well, when you keep your hand extended out, it's different than when you're <laughs> exactly slowing. When you're slowing down. He was slowing down. Are you serious? Like, are you actually serious? Or that one against Mane, that, or that one for so Mane. You, like, hold on, you're if saying that wasn't, if that wasn't given, you'd be like, oh, fair enough, it's not given. But it's mm. one of the ones that it can be given and it cannot be given. Mm. Uh, yeah, but you think it's a penalty? When you it's, when it's given, you think, like, on, you, you think gonna, the one when when it's given, is, is not going to overrule that. And when it's not given, VAR is not going to overrule that most of the time. You think the one the final is a penalty, but the one against Alexander? No, I think, the, I, I think both could have been a penalty and could not have been a penalty. If they had gone either way, you, VAR wouldn't have overruled them. And they're one of the, the referees make different decisions on these. They always have. Yeah. Ball to hand is always this one where, 
like it's interpretation of the referee. Yeah, but not anymore. They changed it. It is though. It's still is. It's still it's still people like still these idiots like Martin Atkinson looking at replays and trying to figure out what's going on. But only when it comes to Liverpool, like they literally changed the rule for Liverpool in that ten seconds. Like Man United got a point off Liverpool because of terrible refereeing. No, but I'm talking well. about the handball decision. Right? I'm talking about you're talking about all season. You're saying, oh, no, I'm talking about the handball. The all season yeah, it's, not, it's been given the hand, the hand, uh, some of the time, and it's a, it's a handball, yeah, given he, by the referee some of the time. It has been given all season, no matter it what it has. Man United got the penalty. Uh, what was the game where Mil- I think when Milner had a shot and uh, or Oxley Chamberlain had a shot and it was charged down by the hand and they didn't even VAR check it? That was last year. That was the, the oh, that was this game. year. That was that was this nah, year. It's been given all year. Stop. You probably didn't even hear about it because it was Stop. buried. No. You, nah, you know, you know here as well. There was two handballs and Fabinho scored a goal and it was allowed. That's what happened. Uh, we hammered them. It was, you know, it was, nah, it was all Butterfly effect. Come on, you know that. Yeah, you, the butterfly you know effect the is correct. Like, the first goal is very important as yeah, well. Like, should have been momentum, momentum swing. But you, that's agree, one where it, you agree that uh, goal should like, have been uh, given. If they, if, they, if they had it pulled it back and said that's a penalty, then you have to go, okay. It, it, like, it's one of them ones that you, you'd be annoyed, but you see why it's given. I think but the it's, issue when it's not given, you see why it's not given because always historically, and even this year with VAR and last year in the Champions League with VAR, some of them are given, some of them are not. I think the issue here is the referee is not making the decision. and VAR is not making the decision, so we're just yeah, left. That's what the, I said at the start of the season. Yeah. The, these referees are like, I'll oh, leave it to VAR, and then the re- then the VAR, VAR is like, oh, I'm not going to overrule the referee because he's made a decision. It's farce. So we get to a position where there's two handballs. The referee gives neither no, and in the score. Yeah, well, like it's it's basically um, that's a fact. Not like. wanting to overrule their mates, like it's uh, uh, like referees are idiots. Like we yeah. we know this. I I think I think a weird thing about Liverpool fans as well. They'll uh, something as obvious. On, but as Michael this. Oliver getting, getting like getting Man City getting like you know lodged a complaint about his referee and like yeah, come on, right, like, they were right in fairness. It was it's horrendous. ridiculous. Like yeah, but these guys going out like just tactical failing all game, like just like, getting away with it, and then they have the cheek to complain about. A ball to hand, handball situation, and, and the one where he's like two times, and it's like, come on, that second one is never in a million years a penalty. Yeah, the second one wasn't the first. But I always find it weird with Liverpool fans that no matter what, even when they, you know the decision went from here, whether you agree or whatever, it went from, and they won, it went and won the game. They still like refuse to kind of like if this happened for Man United, I'd be laughing like yes. The people are wrong. Wrong. People are focusing on the wrong incident. The, the incident is is Mane pushing Sterling in the back. That was a penalty. That was a penalty. Okay. And then barely even talking about that. And then the the one you not do you not remember that one? No. Mane basically pushes Sterling when he's got to the byline out of play and okay. it's it's a clear penalty. Okay. And nobody's talking about that, but everybody's talking about this handball thing. Uh, yeah, I wonder why they're talking about that. Because there was two handballs and the fellow went down and scored the first goal game. Yeah, I wonder why they're talking about that. That's very odd, isn't it? Because it's a, it's a one of these ones that we see all the time. It's ball to hand, handball. Yeah, it's yeah. given half the time. It's not given half Just the time. Look. It's roughly. You, you, like, you know, you watch enough football, you know that that's the case. Like, I don't know why you're pretending this is not the case. Because I've been watching games all year and that's what's been happening. But, like, you just come out and say, like, I'm glad the referees are with us and I'm glad that we basically paid them off to win the league. Like, just, just literally, like, uh, Liverpool, the previous games that were playing Aston Villa and scored a perfectly good goal that would have would have impacted Liverpool's game and Man City's game. Man City were losing at the time and uh, it would have. Impacted two games that decision. Uh, Man City could have ended up at one point, could have ended up at no point. Liverpool probably would have been at least drawing or winning at halftime if the perfectly good goal had been allowed by Firmino. Like, they still won, did, though, didn't they? Yeah, because they pulled it out because they're mentality monsters, as Klopp would say, and ended up scoring oh, two I hate in the last him five so minutes. Much. I hate him. I know, I know, you hate him so much. Like, and it's the best prick. because you'd absolutely love him if he was Man United manager. Nah, That's the thing. You'd absolutely love him. Don't him. lie to yourself. Sean. You kind of hate him as well, though. I bet you. You kind of hate him, yeah. 
He's What's a, the man? What are you talking about? You'd, you'd absolutely love him if he was Man United manager. You, you know you would. I kind of like dickheads, though. You know, even that Luke Rockall Bisping thing last night, you know, he was... Every time Luke Rockall came up, he was slagging him. I was like, yeah, as a prick myself, like, I love that sort of... I love Joseph Marine. But we better end this fucking podcast anyway. It's like a 20-minute soccer podcast at the end, <laughs> at the end of the normal podcast. Hopefully people tuned out if they don't like soccer, yeah, but... Sure, look, congratulations on winning the league last week. Anyway, fair play to you. And, um, yeah, thanks everyone for listening. All that's left to do is the inspirational quote of the week. I don't think of all the misery but of the beauty that still remains. We'll see you next Tuesday or Sunday or Monday.